We're just going to keep going today. Uh, Chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So remember that Peter is talking to Jewish people who have been exiled into other areas. They're in Turkey and so forth. They're foreigners in another land and they are being, they're feeling some persecution at this point. And that's who Peter is talking to. So he's saying, you know, even though all these bad things are happening, rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Just like newborn babies, because everyone who becomes a believer is, quote, born again. That's spiritually. They're born again. So we are like babies. We're, you know, um, it's, there's something about like, um, becoming a child, you have to become a child to experience or to be in the kingdom of God, something to that effect. There's scripture that says that. Um, and that's, that's part of, you know, being born again, spiritually, the things that we see in our world are not all godly. And we have to turn from that, what we see in the world that doesn't have a basis in God and focus on what the godly things are, what the what it is that we get from scripture. So we are like newborn babies and crave spiritual milk. Well, where do you get spiritual milk? That's from scripture. It's learning more from God through the words he's given to prophets, to people, to witnesses, and it's documented in a book for us. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. This is that that word that was earlier, the sanctification, where the Holy Spirit works within us and changes us so that we mature. And it's a whole process, but we're never going to be perfect until Jesus returns and we get changed. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So now that you know that God is good, because... People have different opinions of God, but ultimately the truth is God is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So again, the living stone is Jesus and Jesus was rejected by humans, but he was chosen by God and is precious to God. When Jesus was baptized, Jesus went to be baptized, and when John the Baptist baptized him, they saw something like a dove, and they heard something like thunder, or they heard the words, too. Um, I forgot exactly how it was documented, but it's in the Gospel of John. And, but it was, God said, this is my son who I am well pleased. And so the Holy Spirit descended upon him, And God spoke and said he was pleased with the son. This is that living stone. And even the Old Testament prophets, lots of other prophet books from 
before Jesus was ever born. These are in the BC eras that told about this. Um, they talk about the rock, the cornerstone. In fact, um, which is this one? This is Isaiah um, that is quoted here. I think it is. Um, for in scripture, yeah. For in scripture, this is going back to Isaiah the prophet, okay? So it says, um, you also like living stones are being, so we're like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, he was actually speaking to the Jewish people who were the exiles um, when he was saying this. So I don't know if that means all of us are just specifically to those people that he was talking about. For in scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. When you hear about fall, fall has a spiritual context too, where fall from grace, fall away from God, be separated from God, be condemned forever in eternity. Jesus is that. Because if you look what separates religions, we talk about the Abrahamic religions, is Jesus. So we cannot say that all the religions believe in God, in the same God. We cannot say that because because Jesus is God and because Jesus was rejected, just like it says by the prophets, that it's the rock that causes many to fall. So Jesus is that rock. Jesus is what's going to separate all the people who claim to believe in God. And Jesus also told us in prior scripture that we read that the people who reject him reject the father also, because if they truly knew the father, they would accept him. Just like Abraham, he brought this up too. Jesus brought this up when he was talking to the Pharisees. He said, just like your father Abraham saw what I was going to do and was happy, was glad for it. So Abraham, who was way before, and even the Pharisees called Jesus out on this. They're like, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say that you saw Abraham? But that's because Jesus always existed. He was always in the presence. The son was in the presence of the father and the Holy Spirit were there from the day of day one of creation. And that's what is hard to comprehend, no doubt because it's something very unusual. We don't know anything like that. So it's very hard to comprehend. But Jesus, he also says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So if people don't believe, or if religions don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that the prophets talked about in the Old Testament, he is the one who came in the flesh that did that, and he broke the curse of death for all people, condemnation for all people. If, unless people believe that, they will not be in God's kingdom. 
I mean, that's a harsh reality, but that's the truth. It says, you know, scripture is truth. This is the truth. And if we don't believe this, we will not be in God's kingdom. Jesus went through a very painful process, a death, a beating, all sorts of things in order to save mankind. So think about if you were the person that had to endure what Jesus had to endure, and then the people that you did it for said, eh, I'm not going to accept you. I mean, just think about what that would be like. That would just be like, oh, I mean, if it were me, I'm not, I'm not so kind and godly. I'd be like, you idiots. That would be me. Jesus doesn't say that to us. He's much more merciful to that. In fact, there's even a part in scripture that says, you can even blaspheme the, the son, um, G- meaning Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit. Like the Spirit of God, anyone who says blasphemy against the Spirit of God will not be able to enter. That's the unforgivable sin. So if you intentionally go against God, and I don't know to what degree that is, only God knows we are not on the judgment seat. So we don't, we can't say what is right or what's wrong. But as others have said before, work out your own salvation. You need to pray to God and, and work through that. But but this is just something that I did re- read and I did notice that was in scripture. And um, so look at how humble Jesus is, how merciful he is, how kind he is. Thank God that it was Jesus and not any one of us, because I don't know if it was one of us, if we would be as kind as God. I don't think we would be. If we think about how people that we have, who have done something really bad to us, think of how we feel towards them. And thankfully, God is not like that. God is not like us. And he is actually kind. He is good. And he is not evil. Like somebody who did something terrible to us at the moment that they did something terrible, we could wish a lot of bad things on them. And God's not like that. That's what we have to remember. He is so merciful and so loving and so forgiving. We just can't even comprehend that because we don't see it here in the world. I'm going to get back to scripture. So they stumble because they disobey the message. That's another key important thing, the message, the gospel message, the truth that Jesus brought. They stumble because they disobey it. There's another thing about the laws that were given, the Ten Commandments. Those have not been abolished. Those still remain. In fact, God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. So none of that goes away. And so if people are thinking they no longer have to obey, they're completely wrong and somebody's giving them a false doctrine. So... Getting back to scripture, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So we do know from the prophets that the Jewish people, um, because we obviously don't know, we can't always understand God. But if we go back to the history and we see that God keeps saving the Jewish people, the chosen people, over and over. First of all, God did choose the Jewish people. He said 
he's, he chose the Jewish people and said he was going to make a covenant with them, the chosen people. Those are the chosen people. Now, it's because, and we learn this in scripture, it's because the Jewish people kept rejecting God over and over and over again that God opened it up to other people and said, okay, you guys don't, you guys don't accept me? All right, I'm going to open it up to everybody then. Now everybody can be in the kingdom. At first it was just going to be you, but now everybody has the opportunity. And thank God for that. I'm thankful for that, but that's what happened. And so the Jewish people were actually destined to, they were chosen to be in God's kingdom but yet they were rejected. And over and over and over again, God kept trying to get them, kept trying to bring them back, and they would be obedient for a while, and then they would fall away. And this is just a repeated cycle. If you go back to all the history, some would listen to them, some would not listen to them at all. And and it just kept going over and over and over. The same thing. And it still does that today. But God did say that he blinded them. So I guess there are, if I'm reading scripture correctly, I guess there are some Jewish people who will be blinded because of the rejection of Jesus, because of the rejection of God. There's also something in scripture that says, not all Israel is Israel. So not all the people that call themselves Jewish are actually Jewish people, according to scripture. And it's, and it, it means like the ones who have, who have accepted God into their life, honestly, because it, it does further clarify that, that it's not those who are direct physical descendants of Abraham, but it's the ones who are spiritually born. That's what it's referring to. Those are, that's the true Israel, the true chosen ones that God has. So God has chosen a few people and then we, he's chosen a lot of people, but um, the people that are the Jewish people, the original people that God made this promise to, and in the end, God does redeem them. There's 144,000, whether that's a literal number or a symbolic number in the book of Revelation of Jewish people, there are 12,000 from each tribe. Now, the it's really kind of interesting because it does say that these are virgins and they've never been with a woman. So it does say that. It does sound like they are men. Is that symbolic? I don't know, but I'm just saying that's what scripture says. We can't interpret that. We can't say otherwise. We just have to accept what scripture says, and that's what it says. So in the end, that's what it's going to come down to. But when Jesus returns, that's he is going to show his mercy to 12,000 Jewish people from 12 tribes. There's 144,000 total, symbolically, whatever, only God knows but those are the ones he has chosen, the elect that he will be bringing with him. He will have mercy on them. However, because the Jewish people over and over rejected God, disobeyed God, and were disobedient to God, God 
opened up the opportunity to be into the kingdom of heaven to all of us. In fact, Jesus even told a parable about that, where it was about the wedding invitation again, where it went out to certain people and all these people kept rejecting it. It was like, oh, I just got married. I just had, you know, I had this happen and I can't do it. I can't be there. It was all these rejections to the wedding invitation. And those were the Jewish people who were receiving the invitations, but rejecting it from God. And then he said, okay, well, go out and find he, he the person, the messenger. He's like, go out and invite everybody. Invite everybody who will accept this invitation. And so Jesus is telling this parable. He's telling the story to the people so they would understand. But that's the best news ever for all of us who are not of Jewish descent, who are not original, the original people from the 12,000 tribes or the 12 tribes. Um, that is great news for us because the kingdom of God is open to everyone everyone who will believe. And that's why Jesus came. He said that he came to do the will of his father and the will of his father is what? To believe. Now to believe doesn't mean just to believe about Jesus because some Christians have this wrong. They think they can keep on going on living in sin and just believe and then they will get into heaven. But that's uh, called out in scripture. It says, no, that's not true. Um, because for one thing, God, Jesus says that there will be a point where people come knocking on the door and they say, but I've proclaimed in your name, I've done all this stuff. And they list all these things. And Jesus will say, I never knew you depart from me. And he sends them to the lake of fire or to hell or somewhere away from God, but they are not included in God's kingdom. And there's just like throughout scripture, you will find things repeated so that you comprehend the entire story. And it's told in multiple multiple ways, in multiple places, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. It's all over, but the message is consistent. And it's that's why it's so important to, to know Scripture. Getting back to Scripture. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. So that's the Jewish people, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So they're foreigners and exiles. They were from they were the original Jewish people, and they were exiled from their nation. So Peter is telling them to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. But that's something that all of us can apply because all of us experience sinful desires, and they wage war against our soul. So we know that anything sinful is really trying to sever us from God. It's against our soul, against our salvation, against being in eternity with God. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So this is talking about when Jesus returns and the way that people, believers, should be, should 
live their lives. We should live our lives so that other people can see something different in us, something different in the world. This applied to the exiles. It also applies to all believers. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So this is kind of interesting. This is a hard thing, the submission. First of all, before ever submitting to any authority, everyone would need to submit to God. And this is already a given because Jesus, or Peter is talking to believers, so they've already submitted themselves to God. So, But in general, this line, if you use it out of context, um, it needs to be noted that this is talking to believers. So believers who have already submitted to God, they've already surrendered to him and are asking God, allowing God, I hate that word's not a good word, um, requesting God to guide them. Um, submit yourselves to submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So that's something like believers are supposed to submit to authority, whether to the emperor as the whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So the ones who are working in justice, that's what it's talking about, because it's saying to any of those who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So it's those who are living justly, those in authority who are doing justice. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. That's a hard one when you, but this is what scripture says. And, and if you remember that Jesus, when he was arrested and when charges were brought against him, they even like slapped him in the face and Jesus did not revolt against them you know, he could have done anything he wanted at that point. He could have just destroyed them with his word. He could have just like made them all like immediately die, but he didn't. That wasn't his purpose. He was living in obedience and he was there to die on that cross. He knew he was going to die on the cross. He was doing that for all of us. So Jesus showed this way. He didn't, he didn't fight the authorities he, in fact, when they came to, you know, when they came to arrest him, they had all of these weapons and everything. And he's like, he approached them and said, who are you looking for? What do you want? You know, basically, here I am. Take me. I'm not, why did you bring all that stuff with you? I mean, he was willingly submitting himself to the authorities when he knew they were going to kill him. Getting back to scripture. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. So in everything, 
we do it for God. We do, we accept whatever suffering it is and we do it for God. And God sees that. God knows all of the things that we are going through. Um, We have to be reminded that God knows every single little hair on our heads. That's even talked about in scripture. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure, it is commendable before God. So if you if you're getting a beating for doing wrong and endure it, it, it you don't get credit for that. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To do this, you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his, his steps. Kind of what we just talked about. Jesus was the first one to do this, and we are called to do the same as Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, if we are in Christ, we are called to do the same thing that Jesus did. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Now, that's another thing that this is about Jesus. Jesus committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. This was written about from Isaiah. This is back in BC, way before Jesus was, quote, born on earth. So this is a prophecy that was fulfilled back in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 9. Getting back to Peter. When they hurled hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered, he made no threats. This was kind of just like what we were talking about. And this is what Peter is saying about Jesus. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So you entrust, you know, God says, the vengeance is mine. Leave, leave it to me. The vengeance is mine. God is going to have his vengeance. We can't take it on ourselves because we are not the judge. God is the one and only judge, the one and only lawgiver, and the one and only judge. So God is the one who's going to administer justice. Getting back to scripture, Jesus, he bore himself for, uh, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So Jesus is our protector. And just like sheep, we were going astray. We were going to go to the slaughterhouse. But Jesus stopped that by what he did on the cross. And because of what he did on the cross, all of us are called to die to our sins and live for righteousness. So we have to reject sin. We have to choose to live obedient lives the way God, we have to choose to abide by the 10 commandments. And if we need help in it, God gives us help. I mean, how great is that? We can ask God for help, just show our intention that we want to be that way. And God will help us. God wants us to. So I think I'm going to stop here because that's about 30 minutes and that was chapter two and I'll start with chapter three and chapter three, I can already see what is coming up and this is going to be an interesting one for a lot of people because a lot of people 
are not happy about chapter three in one Peter. So I'll save that for the next podcast. <laughs>